This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. So they could be like every other nation. Israel called for a human king. God's intention was always that a king would come. 3,000 years later, Jesus was scheduled in the purpose and the plan of the Most High to come to the earth. And he would not rule just from an earthly throne. He would rule in the hearts of men. He would rule in the realm of the Spirit, and he would rule upon the earth. And I thank God that although we have not yet seen the full manifestation of the kingdom of God, one day the kingdom shall come. The kingdom is already, but the kingdom is yet to be. And you are a subject of the kingdom of the Most High God if you've come to Christ. And his call for us is to not allow our humanity to rule and reign, not our flesh to govern and rule and dominate, but the King of Kings to rise to the throne of your heart. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, is Jesus on the throne of your life? Amen. Well, I said last night, I explained that this message is dramatized, a little bit different from how I would normally preach. But I invite you to watch as the drama unfolds this morning. We're learning about the boy who would be king. We're watching a king in waiting, an anointed king waiting to come to the throne. So welcome to the theater of life. Welcome to the theater where you have the best seat in the house. You have a right to sit on the best seat in the house with full view, no pillars in front of you. You're in the best expensive seats because your father happens to own the theater. Hallelujah. And so turn to your neighbor and say, you've got to watch this. It's going to happen. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's turn and look at scene three. When is a king not a king? When is a king not a king? And the answer is when he is a king in waiting, when he is a king in waiting. The curtains have lifted, the house lights have come down, and the spots are on the stage. As you observe the scene, you are in the house of Jesse. The boy David was so confused by events that took place the day that the prophet came to his house. Why would the prophet of God come to Jesse's house and purposely call for him to come from the wilderness, to come from caring for the sheep, bring him into the house, ask him to kneel, and anoint him with the oil? And as the anointing of the oil of the Spirit of God 
because that's what it was. Or there may have been a literal physical oil, and there was. And very often we use the same symbol, speaking of the Holy Spirit. But why would a prophet come and anoint this boy? And as the oil ran down over his face, and I don't think it was done like that, Pastor Dave. I think it was the whole bottle. Amen. The African way. <laughs> <laughs> and as the oil ran down, the words that came out of the prophet's mouth were only relevant to royalty. And now upon reflecting, upon reflection, the boy is thinking, why did the prophet use such language over my life? Why did he speak as if I was a king and anoint me in that way? There'd been no forewarning of what was about to take place in the boy's life. And I want to tell you in that moment, something so spiritually significant happened in that man's life, in that boy's life. From that moment on, he was destined for greatness. Glory. Hallelujah. He was destined to fulfill things in his life that nobody else could do because he was called of God. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, God is calling you this morning. And that same anointing, friend, that same anointing is moving in this house today because it comes from the throne room of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you watch, you see David's face a little confused. He's asking the question, am I a king? Am I a king? A question he would ask time and time again. And it's a question I put to you. Who are you? Do you know who you are? Oh, in your spirit, in the depth of your inner being, you know you are more than an animal. You know that you are more than just flesh and bone that will eventually... Possibly, unless the Lord returns, go through the grave, dust to dust, and you're gone physically. You know there is more to you than that because God put an ingredient of his life in you. He put faith in you to know God. You were designed to know God. When God crafted you in his own image, he made you exactly as he wanted you to be. Spirit, soul, mind, body. Your personality is unique. My face is unique. You say, we know that, Pastor, we can see. You struggle with that. <laughs> <laughs> but my wife thinks I'm as slick as anything. <laughs> Isn't it amazing what love can see? <laughs> Glory. But isn't it fascinating? But until we discover who God has meant us to be, we will never know 
the love, the freedom, the life, and the victory God has prepared for us. The question is, who are you? Well, I can tell you the word of God tells you that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I'd love to read the whole passage, but I think I'm looking at my watch, and I'm going to ask you when you get home to read 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 14 to 17. It is absolutely fascinating in the connection of this message. Would you do that? Please do that. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. The curtain rises again. A fascinating scene is before you. Things have changed. David has more responsibility now in his father's house. It's an unusual circumstance because not only is he tending for the sheep, he's also having to make a journey to travel to where all his brothers are and they are fighting for King Saul. They are on the front line, so he takes them provisions. And en route, something amazing happens. Now remember, David is still in the school of the Lord. He is still being prepared for his role. And he will come to that in God's timing. Once again, for the king in waiting, there are lessons to learn. Firstly, David needs to learn to stand in the authority of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, how's your authority? Well, I want to tell you, your authority will make no progress whatsoever, but the authority of the King of Kings will. Hallelujah. How crafty the flesh is. We think we can accomplish what we need to do for God uh, by our own will and our own way and our own schemes. But thanks be to God, when the royalty of Christ comes into us, we realize only by his anointing and his authority can we see what God wants to do come to pass. And so en route, you hear a voice so loud, it echoes over the valleys and the mountains. We were used to hearing the song of the psalmist, the shepherd boy, echo around. But this time, there's another voice. Who is it? What is it? I tell you who it is. It's the voice of a Goliath. David has had to learn to win battles in himself before he could ever face this Goliath. And God has prepared him in the wilderness while he tended the sheep. Who's talking now? I wonder whose voice is the loudest in your life. I wonder whose voice is the loudest in your mind, in your spirit. Because on this occasion, on one side was the people of God. On the other side 
there was these Philistines. And Goliath represented a demonic authority, a demonic power that was seeking to take territory away from the people of God. Territory and land that had been given to them to possess. Turn to your neighbor and say, the enemy will always seek to take ground in your life. He will always seek to be the loudest voice in your heart, in your mind, in your home, in your life. And he will speak a different language from which we are used to. And the reason why none of the other men would go down into the valley and face Goliath is because they were listening to the voice. It was loud. And when they listened and heard the voice, it generated the opposite of faith. It generated fear. Anything that generates fear is certainly from the pit of hell. I tell you, if you've got into watching horror movies, or you read your horoscope, or you're into that stuff, it will tell you the scope of your horror. It will tell you what you should fear. But thanks be to God, when we hear the word of faith and the word of God, it generates faith in our hearts. So listen to David's reaction. He hears this voice and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he dare challenge the authority of God? Hallelujah. And I want to tell you, when you are facing a Goliath, you have to have that authority in God to be able to say, who is this? What is this? I'm not having this in the name of Jesus. And come against it in the authority of God, not in the strength of your own flesh and your own might, because you will never win that way. But thanks be to God, there is an authority over heaven, from heaven over you and in you. Amen. Amen. No thing and no one can come against the people of God. We have the right to possess the spiritual land and the territory that God has given to us. Amen? Amen. And of course, while the battle is raging on the earth, the battle is raging in the heavens, but Jesus has already won and given us the victory. David was full of a righteous anger. He recognized what was going on. It was the clash of two kingdoms. It was darkness against light. It was evil against good. It was Satan against God. It was darkness against light, even in the hearts and minds of those men. And they were gripped with fear. And when we're in that place, we have to learn to maintain our faith our assurance, and our confidence in God, especially when the attack is strong and the voice is loud. Now, you know, friend, the enemy will often use other people to undermine your confidence and faith and trust in God. You know, when you go out into the world in the workplace, you are rubbing shoulders with people who do not know what you know. 
They speak a different language to you. And you have to make sure that you do not adopt their language. You don't talk the way they talk. You don't think the way they think. You don't react the way they react. You are unique and you are a son of the Most High God. The Bible says you are a son of the King of Kings. That makes you at least a prince. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory. And I want that to just sink and settle into your spirit and mind today. Because you are amazing. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, wow, I didn't realize how amazing you were. (laughs) No one else would face Goliath. You see, the enemy will always want to cause a disturbance in your spirit. He will always want to disturb you in your mind. He has no other... And he has no other weapon to come against you other than lies, deception, deception, and accusation. And so David volunteers. Wow. David volunteers to fight Goliath. And then the reactions from David's brother and Saul are quite amazing. Can you remember we talked about Eliab? He was the man that was built a little bit similar to Pastor Paul, you know, uh, under this shirt, (laughs) rippling muscles and... (laughs) Eliab, he was the parade of the flesh. Samuel went to the house. This has got to be the man. He looks right. He just looks right. But we acknowledge that God doesn't look at the outside. He looks at the heart. Something happened in the heart of Eliab that festered for years. And we have to be careful about such matters. I wonder what it was that caused such a reaction to David. Maybe because he was jealous. Because David had been chosen. Maybe it was the anointing that David carried that caused Eliab to begin to accuse him. And so in 1 Samuel 17, verse 28, you'll find Eliab says to David, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep? Undermining, ridiculing. The enemy will always seek to undermine your authority. He will always seek to undermine the anointing. He will always seek to remove the anointing from your life. And he will do whatever he possibly can to ensnare you and rob you of the anointing of God. I tell you, the things of the flesh will rob you of the anointing of God. That's why Samson lost the anointing when his hair was cut. What was the significance of the hair? Well, it can't be. (laughs) No, the image is a man who has succumbed to the flesh, a man who has given in to the things of the flesh, a man who has fallen to the desires of the flesh, and a man who has given in. And by giving in, 
to the wiles of the enemy and the tactic of the enemy who plays to the flesh. Oh, he knows how to pamper to your flesh. He knows how to move you and stir you. (laughs) And unless we learn the lesson, we will always feel like all the other men on the side of the hill who could not go down Engage in warfare. And yet David, the young boy who had learned to come to a stream and select a stone and place it in the sling and let it go. He's the boy. He's the man. Oh, David would face so many challenges over his life, and he would fail. But because his heart was right, God would be able to restore him. I lost my glasses. I'm picking them up again. (laughs) What a terrible thing to say. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. You know, I've discovered something. The enemy often will attack your weakness, but sometimes he will attack your strength. And when you're in the place where he's attacking your strength, then what do you do? You don't react at all. Turn to your neighbor and say, no reaction. No reaction. You are above that. You are beyond this. This is a lie and an accusation of the enemy through the mouth of a brother. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. If it hasn't happened on your journey, believe you me, at some point it will happen. The flesh will always accuse the anointed. But mark my words, you must be in the right place with God. And David was. And David was. What about the reaction of Saul? Well, the curtains lift again. And the lights are up. And it reveals another set. David is in the tent of Saul. Invited right into the tent. Two kings. Both need within themselves to rule. Saul has heard of this shepherd boy warrior. His reputation has gone before him. He's known. In fact, the rumors are going around that a new king is being trained. But the old king is still alive. Imagine. And yet Saul realizes David is the one to take out Goliath. And so he doesn't want the people to get distracted by David. So very, very subtly, 
he says to him, wear my armor. I tell you, go into battle in my armor. And do you know, that's still a temptation today. We need by the flesh to somehow be in control. We need in ourselves the flesh. We, we actually want the victory that God can give, but we don't want to sacrifice to get it. Surely, God in his amazing grace will just let me in and let me live. And as we've been walking with God, we soon realize that actually the flesh has to die and the spirit man has to come to life. Two kings, both demanding rulership. And so David is clothed in armor that doesn't fit. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, now you belong to God. The armor of the flesh doesn't fit you. Hallelujah. Doesn't fit you. And, and Saul actually wants to be able to say, David, he accomplished this victory because he wore my armor. He accomplished this victory because of me. He accomplished all these things because of me. The crafty flesh needs attention. Turn to your neighbor and say, your flesh will always demand attention. I nearly said, turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to die. But I thought, <laughs> it wouldn't really come over right, would it, David? <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Two kings, face to face in a tent. What a portrayal. Of course, there's more going on here. There's more happening behind my language. Saul represents the flesh. David represents the spirit man. One governed by the outward, one governed by the inner. But you know something? God was still working on Saul, on David, because although he was God's anointed, there was a potential Saul in David. The possibility of David becoming a Saul would be determined by how he ruled, by how he reigned, and how he operated. Later on tonight, we will look further at reactions and responses that tell us the story. Somebody's having a great time in there. <laughs> and the truth is, friend, there's a King Saul in all of us. You'll meet him. You probably already have. The curtain rises and David is now alone. And normal practice for David is whenever he is facing an enemy, he has learned to come down to the river. He knows that only the rock 
of the word can deal with a Goliath. And so he comes to the river. He selects five smooth stones, stones that have been washed by the word, renewed. He selects five stones. He approaches his Goliath. He slips in a stone in the sling. He stands. He's used to this. He knows that he cannot fight in Saul's armor. He needs, he can't fight with weapons that are carnal, but weapons that are powerful in God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so he stands and faces Goliath. Turn to your neighbor and say, you will have to stand and face your enemy. He slips the smooth stone in the sling. He pulls the sling back. <laughs> Suddenly, a certain sound <laughs> is heard. How does it go? That was better that time, wasn't it? <laughs> the rock leaves the sling. A single chosen rock. Christ is the rock. A single chosen rock is the only thing that will defeat your Goliath. He lets the rock come at full force. It embeds itself in the forehead of Goliath, which is the symbol of authority, and takes him out. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's an image. It's an image of the spiritual victories that you and I need to possess. Sorry about the graphic detail. But you know what happens next. The enemy doesn't only have to be defeated. He has to be authority removed. Authority removed. Authority removed. When Jesus paid the price for your sin, his blood was shed, he rose again, and he removed the authority over you. He removed the authority. He removed the right for Satan and any demonic power to rule and govern in your life. Hallelujah. And now that his spirit has come to reside in you and the anointing abides on you and the anointing is not counterfeit, the anointing is real. And now that the anointing rules and abides in you, I want to tell you the enemy is scared stiff of you. The tables have turned over the valley of your life. No longer do you hear the accusing voice as loud as can be of the enemy. Instead, you hear the voice of God. Thank you, 
Hallelujah. Every time he tries to open his mouth, you've learned how to shut the mouth of the accuser. And you do with, you do it by releasing the rock from the sling. Your tongue. Hallelujah. Wow. Anointed lips. Anointed tongues. Lips of praise. Lips of thanksgiving. Lips of victory. Tongues that know how to speak in the authority of God. Maybe this morning there's some territory you need to retake. Maybe there's some habits that have dominated and are controlling your life. Maybe the things of the flesh in your mind. Some men spend most of their thought life thinking about the flesh. It will block you hearing from God. Deal with it. You say, Pastor, well, you know, I'm a young man. When I'm older, I'll deal with that. Listen, when you're older, you'll find it's still there. You say, oh, Pastor, you're getting a bit too personal now. Maybe some females have the same problem. I remember as a young man, and you've heard me tell this story, as a young man, facing all the same passions and drives that everybody else faces. I remember running home from work and asking God, Lord God, set me free. Set me free. He said, did it happen once and that was it? No. Walk in freedom. Hallelujah. I don't know why I'm saying that, but if that's your Goliath, only the rock will bring it down and defeat it and behead it in your life. Amen. You will then get sold out for Jesus because there is a king seeking to reign on the inside of you. And while the flesh is ruling and reigning, it can't fully come to the throne. Scene four. Castles and caves. Castles and caves. Imagine David. The anointing is upon him. He's been declared privately by the prophet of God as the king. But there's been no big inauguration. There's been no big celebration. Nobody knows really except him. And many men and women have to wait and patiently sit until God brings them to the full expression of their service to God. And why does that? Because we are learning lessons as we develop in God. If David had come immediately to the throne, he would have made an absolute mess. So God had to put him in a cave before he took him to the castle. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, How, what size is your cave? 
Now, listen, friend, don't be too hard on Saul. So, I mean, even though we refer to him as being a man of flesh, I want to tell you there was an anointing on Saul. And there can be an anointing. It can appear right. I mean, if I listed some of the things that Saul did as a great leader, you would be amazed. Look, he was an anointed leader. He was an appointed of God. He was a leader full of the Spirit. He was an ama had amazing lineage. He acquired far more territory for Israel. The army and the people were united to form a united kingdom. The authority of God was with him. And yet, if you read about Saul, we know more about his crazy reactions about anything else. And so many of us can find ourselves in that position, that we are seeking to move forward with God, but our crazy reactions rob us. And we'll look a little bit later at that tonight. Crazy reactions. One of those crazy reactions was because David was beginning to get public recognition and it agitated Saul. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, there will always be things in church and the kingdom that agitate you. <laughs> There'll always be things in church life that agitate you. And sometimes you can think, I could do that an awful lot better than everybody else. That's the fleshy nonsense. And what got to Saul? Can you remember one of the hit songs at that time was this. Saul has slain his thousands and David has slain his ten thousands. Imagine how the king felt about that number one record. It really got him riled. And he was threatened by the anointed one. And we have to handle that in the name of Jesus. The lights are dropping down. The curtain opens. And we're in the palace of King Saul. Before the anointing on David was very evident and increasing and growing, Saul used to invite him to come and do a few numbers on his guitar and he'd sing and it would soothe the agitated spirit of Saul. But now David is a threat and Saul is beginning to see he's the next king. Now he can't stand it. It's a very unusual statement in the Bible. It says an evil spirit was sent by God. I mean, get your theology around that, Brother Dave. All it really is saying is that God permitted it to happen, to find out what was really in the heart and the spirit of Saul. And on this occasion, you've read the story, David was hitting the high notes of the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. 
and suddenly out the side of the corner of his eye, Saul, he saw Saul stand up and he took a spear from the side of the throne and shot the spear. How does it go? <laughs> this time it wasn't that good. <laughs> You can shoot from the flesh. You can fight with the flesh. You can war in the flesh. But you will always find your arrows are aimed at the people of God. And so David became a spear dodger. Pastor Dave, I've had to dodge many, many spears in my life. <laughs> and I'm sure you have as well, bro. Two kings in one palace. One throws a spear. A spear of accusation. One takes a rock and defeats the enemy. The flesh will always throw spears. The spirit man will always use the sling. Full of grace, full of truth, full of love, full of the anointing, and only that will defeat a Goliath and bring you across to the other side to possess the land that God has destined for you. I want to bring one more angle before I close. Years ago, as a young man, I served in a very big church. Can I share my heart with you? It was a cave, not a castle. I served under a soul. I wanted to run. I wanted to leave because I knew what I knew and I could see what I could see. God said, son, stay. Stay. I'm glad I did. An opportunity came for me to take it. I could have took that church just like that. He was about to resign. I said, brother, I won't say his name. Can I see you outside the office? I was the new boy. He said, in a moment, I said, no, can I see you outside the office? 
I was only 30. I persisted. I went outside with this man. I took him in my hand. I said, brother, don't do what you are about to do. Let God control this moment. I want to tell you, I kept him in the role. When we are together tonight, I'm going to share some things with you that will enable you to go on serving even if you know you are serving a soul. You see, the truth of it is nobody knows whether they really are or not. Only God sees the heart. It was not my responsibility to take that. If I had taken that by force and flesh, I would have had to battle for years to keep myself there. Because only God's appointment will work. But if you are in a position in the workplace or wherever you are, and you know you are serving someone who has a character like Saul, I want to encourage you. Be a David. Hallelujah. Right where you are, be the anointed person that God has called you to be. Because ultimately, God will get you and position you right where you are meant to be in his plan and in his purpose. I know that part won't be relevant for many, but felt a prompt to include it as we close this message. Friends, tonight you might think, Pastor Paul, can we please go into the palace and have a look? We will. But the curtains will open tonight and you will find yourself still looking at a cave. A lot happens in the cave. In the cave where you are, your reactions and responses will determine how long you must stay there as God prepares you for the palace. Thanks be to God because every one of us on this journey can allow God to come as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and be enthroned in our hearts. I want to ask you to get in under the word tonight because we are going somewhere together. I wouldn't want to finish in the cave. I want you to finish in the castle and allow God to bring his amazing revelation. The curtains are closed. And at 6.30 tonight, the curtains will open again. Will you commit to God to sit where you are sitting tonight and let God finish the weekend and take us to where he wants us to be? Tonight, at the conclusion of this message, I am going to pray, and I'm going to pray for you. I want to pray for you personally, and let's see God bring freedom that every Philistine that has been accusing you, the mouth will be closed, the Goliath will be killed, 
and the authority of God will arise in us as he comes to the throne. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.